from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back to Podcast Profits. I am Jeff Sanders here with David Hooper, and we're talking all about Dave Jackson's new book, Profit from Your Podcast, Proven Strategies to Turn Listeners into a Livelihood. And this series, we've gone through a lot of because of my podcast stories and really digging into the wonderful world of podcasting. And the episode we have for you now is about how many podcasts should there really be? Are there too many? Uh, It's a really great question. When I launched my show back in 2013, I had that exact same question. And there are probably 10 times as many shows today as there were back then. Uh, So, David, what are your thoughts on too many podcasts? Because I know that from my perspective, I see the world of blogging as an example of there are millions of blogs and yet new blogs start every day. Podcasts, there aren't as many. And yet we have that same kind of sense that there, wait, there's still a lot out there. So what are we doing here? I don't know how to answer this except to tell you a story from the music industry, which I've heard for years. You know, being in Nashville, we have a lot of musicians here, have a lot of songwriters here. And one of the things that a lot of them have heard is, no, man, don't go to Nashville. There's too many songwriters there. There are a lot of songwriters here, except I've seen it said, but we always have room for one more. And there is one missing, and that's you. Because you are bringing a different perspective to your songwriting. And in this case, as a podcaster, you are bringing a different perspective to your podcast. I'm curious about your experience, Jeff, because being in the time management and productivity space, that is a very popular topic. Is. You I obviously think, saw that. What, what was your thought? Like, were you like, oh, what am I going to bring to the table? Or did you just jump in not really thinking much of it? Because it's definitely worked out and there's been some great things that have happened. You mentioned on the last episode, you've outlasted a lot of the guys who were there. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. I know that when I was first getting started, I'll call it the world of personal development. I was following guys like Brian Tracy and Jim Rohn and Darren Hardy and some of these bigger names in the world of personal development. And a lot of them also specialize in productivity because those two things go hand in hand pretty well. And one of the questions that I had right off the bat, like everybody does, you know, is with imposter syndrome, like who am I to talk about these topics? And is there really enough room in the world for my voice as well? And I didn't really ask that question a whole lot because when I first got interested in these topics, I was very passionate about them. And I really just wanted to share my experience. That was my driving force when I first started. And as I progressed over the years, I began to realize that that is the thing that keeps my show my show, is my perspective, my thoughts, my experiences, my voice, which nobody else has. And I think the only real way to answer the question about is there enough room for one more show really depends on, you know, do you want your voice to be out there in the world? And if you care about the topic and you care about what it is you're talking about, then yeah, there's plenty of space for that because people will always gravitate towards a new voice that resonates with them. Because the examples of guys like Brian Tracy and, and, and Jim Rohn, not everyone resonates with those guys and their perspective. And they may find my voice to be the one that they like better for whatever reason. Even if it's, if it's the exact same information, they still may want to get that from someone different. And so if the question is, you know, are there too many shows? It's really a question of, do you care about what you're doing? And if so, then get your voice out there. For you, the differentiation could have been something Like your age, you started in your 20s. Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn, they were way up there at the time you started. Because of that, you know, they've lived more. You could argue, well, they've got different experiences. Well, maybe that's a positive, but maybe somebody coming in in his 20s, he's experiencing it along with the listener. So you can learn together and they feel like more of a community. All these things are positives from where I stand. 
So if you're worried about not having the level of experience of other podcasters or other established authorities, don't. It can actually be something that helps you to get your audience and they're going to develop with you. And then you'll be like Jeff, seven something years later, you've outlasted them all. And you've become a different, newer genre that's even more popular than the old school genre that you came in with. It was interesting. There's a couple of points you just brought up. One is the idea that I'm still here because there's a lot of podcasters who have the pod fade and they do a show for three or four weeks, three or four months, and then you never hear from them again. And so part of this is persistence. Part of this is outlasting other people. Uh, The other aspect is kind of the generational changes that take place. So my perspective on productivity is really based upon me as a millennial growing up in a technology world is going to be a different perspective than someone like Brian Tracy who grew up a long time ago. Not that he's ancient, but there is an age gap there. And so because of that, every single person grows up in a different you know, environment, a different place in the world. You have a unique story to tell and you have, whether you realize it or not, a unique take on what it is you're talking about. And once you can really hone in on your voice and really know what, you, what your value is and what you're bringing to the table, you can leverage that. You can lean on that. And then your audience will know you for what you bring. And then all of a sudden you've carved out your your own space, and then you definitely have a place to talk about these things. Let's talk about carving out your own space. When you start your podcast, it does not have to be perfect. It's going to change. Not might change. It's going to change as you change, and it should. We've got a clip here from Laura Click. She is also in Nashville, and she's got a great story on this. Let's play that. Hi, my name is Laura Click, and I am the host of the Make It Brave podcast. I originally wanted to start a podcast to promote my branding business, Blue Kite. My original idea was to interview social enterprises, which is my target market, and really talk about branding and marketing in that space. But as I started to look for names for the podcast, I kept coming up empty. And every name I developed was already taken. And it made me realize just how saturated that market, that industry, those podcasts were. And I wondered, do we really need another podcast about this? And do I really want to keep talking about branding and marketing only? And as I was still exploring this idea, I landed on the concept of bravery in business and bravery in branding, because I believe that some of the best brands are brave brands. They're willing to be brave with their messaging and their marketing. And as I landed on this idea of bravery, I realized that there was a whole lot more to it. I kind of started to think, What if I wanted to talk about more than just branding and marketing? What if I wanted to talk about more than just business? So I decided to pursue it and I landed on this idea of make it brave and how to make your life, your business, your work braver. And I started it without having a real plan or direction for where it was going to go. And that scared me. But I realized that there were a lot of things in my life that I still want to do, that I still have goals and dreams for my professional career that I haven't achieved yet. And so Make It Brave has really been my own act of bravery, starting something without a clear idea of where it's going to go or where it may end up, but doing it anyway, facing the fear and doing it anyway. And that's really what Make It Brave is all about and why I started. It's my own act of bravery in trying new things, reaching out to more prominent guests who I don't have a connection with and just finding ways to be braver each and every day. So Make It Brave not only is intended to help other people find bravery in their life, but truly Make It Brave was built so I could be braver in mine. It's a great topic 
for us to end this series on because, as she said, you think you go in with one thing and then you find out that maybe it's not what you want to do or not what you need to do. But some people, they don't know what they're going in with. So either way, you're going to have to be brave. You're either going to be caught already in there or you're going to be worried about something before you get there. I'm curious for you going in and even having the last seven something years of podcasting experience, what's been the most scary thing to you? Where have you felt like you've been over your head during your podcasting journey? I think that I get nervous whenever I take on a topic that I don't have a lot of experience in yet. So one of the things that I do intentionally is I take on new topics. I try to push my own boundaries to learn about new things and to explore those new arenas. But I don't want my show to be just Jeff Sanders rambling or guessing at a topic. I want to make sure that when I'm discussing something, I have some sense of authority because I've already thought this through. So the real onus is on me to do my homework, to read the books, you know, to watch the movies, to talk to the people. So oftentimes what I'll do to make that that entry into a new arena easier is I'll interview an expert on the topic first, and then I will discuss the topic with my own thoughts down the road. And so I also will blog about it. I'll, I'll try to find other ways to explore it because what I don't want to do is just try to you know fake it or make things up. I still want to be an authoritative figure, but I also want to be able to stretch my own wings here and try new things. And so there's a fine line between those that I'm always trying to balance. But if I allow myself the chance to have a little more freedom and try new stuff, well, that's what allows the podcast to evolve. And honestly, I would get really bored if I didn't do it like that anyway. So I want to make sure that I'm exploring those arenas just to keep the show fresh. There's two ways to look at this. One is your own internal struggle. For example, do you personally feel that you deserve to be on your show? But on the other hand, there are all those external things like listeners, critiques, things coming from outside of you. And they're sharing whether they think you deserve to be on your show as well. Let's talk about negative reviews. Speaking of bravery, because you're going to get feedback when you do a podcast. And with somebody reaching as many people as you do, Jeff, I know you've gotten a lot of feedback. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you deal with the people that give you mm, less than positive reviews, maybe even mean reviews? Well, I think that negative reviews affect all of us in so many interesting ways. You know, one of them I've heard before is that we might get a thousand five-star reviews, but that one one-star just burns our bridges. It just makes us so frustrated. And it's just so true. It's really hard for us to really lean on the fact that most of our listeners love us and they stick around for us. But that one guy and that one comment just won't go away. And I feel like, yes, we're all going to get those. And you have to be at a point where you can accept the reality that when you attract people to your show, some of them are not a good fit. And I'm not going to spend a lot of mental energy focusing on those who aren't a great fit. I want to give my value to those who are my core listeners, my core followers, and I want to listen to them. I want their feedback. I don't really care about those on the fringe or those who are not a good fit. I really just want to lean on the people that are the best for my show. And when that is my focus, well, then negative reviews will come and go, but I can't let that dictate how I move forward. Do you read your own reviews? All the time. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've got a different philosophy on that. And this is something that, again, coming from the music industry, said, don't read your press, especially your own. And I also feel very similar about reviews because I feel that when it comes to influencing us as podcasters, I think reviews 
they they can influence us and maybe this is positive or maybe not if we get all great reviews but then we start to believe our own hype and if we get negative reviews sometimes we maybe soften our message or don't speak what we need to speak because of a review we pull punches and that's something that's concerning to me now with that said i think that feedback is very helpful and i think it's important to listen to feedback but you really need to consider when you're taking feedback as a podcaster or in any other creative endeavor, do these people have authority? Do they know what they're talking about? Because some people are just random people. And it's easy from my experience, if one of those people gives you a negative review to spend way too much time about it, to spend way too much time on it, like you're talking about, Jeff, I think we need to maybe look deeper into those negative reviews and saying, does this person have a valid reason for saying this. And if they do listen to them, if they don't move forward, but it's easier said than done for me and you, it sounds like. You know, one of the first reviews that I got that was a one star on my podcast was someone who was ranting about a very specific, like really tiny topic that I brought up and they were upset that I mentioned it at all. And part of me was kind of, you know, mad at this one star review. The other part of me said, well, what if I leaned on that more? What if I brought out more of that? So it's kind of firing me up to actually like, you know, not to get back at this guy personally, but really to say, what if there is something intriguing about this comment that I could actually leverage in future content? So I think that you yeah. can learn from these negative reviews and you can use them to your advantage. Uh, you don't necessarily need to like let it get to you. But yeah, there is a lesson to be learned in a lot of a lot of cases there. Well, it gets a reaction. And I'm not saying that you're trying to get reaction or trying to cause controversy, but there is something very powerful as a podcaster when you're going to move somebody. Sometimes you're moving them towards you. Sometimes you're moving them away from you. But where we can get in trouble is, I call it no money in the middle. Well, you've got this audience and they're like, they don't care whether you continue to podcast and they don't care if you go away. I want somebody to feel something about me more than just being, just like we do with radio. We've got radio for that. But podcasting, I want people to love me or hate me, not in the middle. Well, the best part about this that whole idea of having too many podcasts, I think also speaks to the idea that because there are so many shows, there can be a lot of niches and there can be a lot of opinions and you can draw your line in the sand and say, you know, for my show, here's what I believe. Here's what I care about. Here's my position on these topics. And then your listeners will follow you because they also, they say, yes, like I also agree with that. I want to hear more of that. Or they can say like with David, you're a great example of this. I want to hear someone's authentic voice. That's not intentionally being muddied. Like I want to hear your real opinion. I don't want to hear your PC answer that's going to go on national television. I want to hear your actual thoughts and podcasting is so personal. You can do that and your listeners will trust you more because of that. Let's get real for a second on that. I believe that anytime you are in a room with another person or anytime you are in a room with a microphone, your message is going to be changed. So I think we need to keep that in mind that we can try to be authentic and I think it's something great to strive for, but we are always performing when there's another person in the room or when there's a microphone in front of us. I'm not quite sure of the balance of that. I wish we could wrap this thing up saying, yeah, you know, here's what to do. I think what I would say to a podcaster who's either established or just getting started, though, is just do the best you can. Press stop on the tape player after you've published your episode and think to yourself, I've done the best I can with what I've got 
and understand that you're probably going to go back in a month, a year, somewhere down the line and think that I could have done better, but you didn't. You did the best that you could at the time. And I think we're always striving as podcasters, or we should be striving as podcasters to do better, to spread that authentic message, to try to get there. I don't think we're actually going to, but I don't think we should stop trying to have that authentic connection with people, for example. That's what's going to do it. Any thoughts on that, Jeff? Well, being authentic is also an evolution. So if I, let's just say, for example, that my first episode went live 10 years ago. Well, I'm a different person today than I was 10 years ago. I'm probably a different Jeff Sanders than I was 10 minutes ago. And so if my opinions are going to change, I'm going to evolve. I want to continually share my new perspective, be authentic for who I am now with the understanding that who I am will change and my thoughts will change. My podcast will change. My listeners will change. Like everything's up for grabs. And so knowing that it's not a finalized, you know, here's the episode. Here's my opinion done forever. No, this is a constant evolving thing. And I want to live in that and be able to create content going forward that allows me to be me for who I am now, knowing full well that that will be a different person in the future. And so my show can reflect just that constant evolution of me growing, changing, thinking new things, and then letting my audience come along for the ride. I think that's the beauty of podcasting. Once it's out there, it's out there, but you can always remove it or try to. (laughs) (laughs) and you can always move forward. This is not something that's in stone and your podcast really is a living document of who you are as a person, where the world is, where you want the world to be and who you want to be. So I love that aspect of it. I don't think that it's precious. I think it's one of those things that, like I said, you're not going to get in there and mess it up and you're not going to get it right either. And knowing that, that gives you a lot of freedom. And that's really, to me, what podcasting is about. I love the fact that we don't have FCC licenses or we don't need a lot of equipment to get our message out there. You can speak your truth, whatever that truth is at the moment that you speak it and not have to run it up the flagpole every time. The only flagpole you've got is maybe those reviews that you're getting. But like we've talked about, there are various ways of looking at that. I think it's important for you, though, as a podcaster to just be comfortable with it yourself. And it'll get more comfortable. It'll be weird at first. I think. Were you weird when you put your podcast out for the first time, Jeff? Or did you feel weird? Like, man, you know, my my wife might hear this or my parents might hear this or people in the old neighborhood might hear this. (laughs) Well, I think that number one, yes, I felt that at the beginning. But number two, I still feel that now. Like every time that I hit record on anything, there's always that sense of who's listening to this? Like who's out there? I think that part of it is that reality that because this is a global brand, you know, every podcast is that's what it is, a global brand of you and what you're producing everyone could hear this. And and that's not a bad thing. It just means that, yeah, the back of your mind, there is this thought that I want to be me, but I also want to understand that like there are listeners, real human beings will hear this. And so I'm not speaking to a blank wall, even though at the moment, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Actual human beings will hear this and I want to still be me uh, knowing it's it's like a one-on-one conversation in that sense. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm glad you said that because sometimes I think that we don't realize how powerful what we've got in front of us is. Sometimes it is a blank wall, but there's a microphone in between you and that blank wall (laughs) and this message can go out. So you really can do a lot. The book, Profit from Your Podcast, Proven Strategies to Turn Listeners into a Livelihood. It's not just about making money. It is about making impact. And that's one of the things that we tried to show here on this series that there's a payoff 
And then there's this secondary payoff. There's that impact. There's doing things like going to the Iditarod. There's doing things like getting speaking gigs and being able to share that message and share community with people and share influence and share things that are important to you and connect with other people with those same things being important to them as well. Jeff, you're available every week at 5 a.m. Miracle. That's the name of the podcast. If you want to be more productive, get more done, have more fun at life and have more time for what you love, 5 a.m. Miracle is the podcast where you can do that. Jeff's got great interviews with, I think, people who have a different perspective on time management each time and being productive. And I love that because, as we've talked about, there's room for everybody in podcasting. And hearing those different perspectives lets me create my own perspective. And David, you've got an amazing podcast as well. Big podcast. Of course, if anyone wants to grow their show to a bigger one, uh, David has an amazing show where he breaks down how to take your show to the next level and all the ins and outs of the details there. So of course, big podcast is a great resource, especially if you're listening to this podcast right now and you want to have a bigger and better show. Uh, David's podcast is also a great resource. Together, we've got an agency called Vox Phonic. We specialize in the entertainment industry. And by that, I mean musicians, comics, authors, speakers. If you are delivering a message, even if that message is via a song or a joke, you are the type of person that we work with. Voxphonic.com is where to find more information on that. I think a great way to end this, Jeff, is to mention one more time the book that inspired this podcast, Podcast Profits. And that is the book by Dave Jackson called Profit From Your Podcast, Proven Strategies to Turn Listeners into a Livelihood. That book available wherever you get your books. If you want to hear Dave's podcast, go to schoolofpodcasting.com. Dave was super influential in my transition from radio to podcasting. I probably would not be here without him. Check it out. Profit From Your Podcast, Proven Strategies to Turn Listeners into a Livelihood. Available wherever books are sold or schoolofpodcasting.com to listen to his podcast. Thanks for listening to Podcast Profits. We'll see you soon.